Welcome to the round 12 Supercoach Coach Podcast. I'm Marcus, and this week, joined by FB Donkey. Welcome back. Good to be back, sir. Very happy to be on the show this week. Sorry that I wasn't around last week. You've been gallivanting around Western Australia, enjoying some nice walks. What are you regardless of what you've been up to? Uh, so we went into Karajini National Park, definitely one of our favorites in Australia. Just amazing walks through gorges. Some of the walks you actually have to swim through rivers. Um, and then at the end, you end up like in a private pool. Yeah, just beautiful walks. Really cool. Unfortunately, we've, we sort of got in and we had a few nice days, but we've been rained in. So I've been sort of stuck here for the last four or five days. Uh, roads closed and stuff, but uh, hopefully heading out in the next couple of days. Heading down to my favorite national park in all of Australia, Cape Range. Down to do some snorkeling on the Ningaloo Reef. You realize when you say favorite about everything, it just, it loses its impact, you know? So. One of our favorites about Garagini, <laughs> that's like, but like Cape Range is like, that is the, that is our happy place. Okay. All right. How have you gone supercoach wise? We should definitely talk some footy. I was having a look today, Marcus. I beat you again this week. I had a look at the scores and I've beaten you eight out of 11 weeks. That is a fantastic statistic. Really enjoying coming on the show, winning every week, except eight out of 11 weeks I've beaten you and you're still ranked higher than me. Yahoo! Well, I'm very happy to hear that. I hadn't checked because I was that worried. I had Petrarca and Zorko. And so my week was always going to be a little bit bad. So I'm glad not to have fallen too far behind. And then I had the very sweet Tristan Jerry just top it off with a 20 something. So I'm shocked. I don't know what you're doing. Beat me by more, you know? <laughs> I can't believe that I didn't this week. Uh, obviously should have with those pathetic scores, considering you brought in Jerry like two weeks ago and I brought in big Oscar McInerney, who's been crushing it. Um, so definitely should have beaten you by more, except, uh, Pendlebury, terrible, even though he's playing way more midfield time at the moment. Daniel Rich, tagged by DeBoer, that was pretty horrible for me. They also only scored like three behinds for the whole game, which limited his scoring. And Bailey Smith being out just meant that I haven't had a week for at least six or seven weeks where I've had all my premiums. So that's made it a bit tricky and just meant an extra rookie on field. Bring on the buys. We can celebrate Timmy English coming back for our teams, punching out a 160. We can. Our scores were kind of saved by the trio of English, Stuart, and Sicily, which um, not everyone owns that trio. Didn't think that Stuart and Sicily could be this defined. Sicily's averaging 118 and a half, and uh, he was borderline for a lot of other communities. We got a bit of cold feet heading into the season with him, but I'm glad we persisted because he's been awesome considering he started at 450k. Yeah, absolutely defining pick. I guess that it's been negated by missing out on Hewitt because he's been averaging really well as well, even though he missed a couple of games. Are you still not on the Hewitt train? Uh, I was going to bring him in the week that I ended up having to take Pendlebury, but Hewitt was out with a calf, which meant I've had Pendlebury stinking it up and he missed a game as well. So the timing's just killed me on that one. So I will be rectifying that over the next two weeks. That'll give you a chance. No wonder I'm dominating. All right, let's get on to how our Patreon went in our Patreon group. Top scorer there for the round was 2741, Matthews Big Bucks Brigade. 
moving it up to 1100-ish overall. So congrats. That's a huge score. Awesome. And in our main Supercoach Coach group, Jake's team, Walsh 18, scoring 2688 and in the top 1000. So congrats to those two big scorers. On to the questions for the week. So this week, we're going to have a bit of a chat about the players that are guess must haves in terms of trading targets. There's not a lot of reason why you'd be trading players in this week, because it's kind of about building bank. The challenge we have is the rookies that are on the bubble are on the buy, and there were not a lot of fresh debutants on the weekend. So we're actually struggling a little bit. The strategy of building bank this week and maxing out your trades next week is under threat. Interesting to see how we navigate that. We've got as per usual, some of the top trade in and trade out targets to have a chat about, and then we'll jump into our Patreon special for some bonus content for those that support us on patreon.com forward slash supercoachcoach. But before we get into the trade in and trade outs, we'll start with a question from Shannon Swan. Can you walk us through the DPP changes and who we may target as a result? So last week we did flag Bontempelli and Smith almost being yeah. certainties. And Smith didn't play, locking him in, and Bont got enough forward time, and he got locked in too. So they're the two that stand out, and it brings about questions of how many dogs can you have. Uh, we have yeah. touched on that in an episode. I remember it was Patreon or not, but prior. But I guess DPP changes outside of Bont and Smith. Is there anybody else that you're looking at, and are those two must-haves when they're available on the forward line? There's no one particularly that I'm looking at. It's more just affecting players that are already in a lot of teams. So the rookies like McComb and Hobbs being given DPP is super helpful, especially around the buyers. Uh, with Darcy Cameron as well being given rock forward, which was a pretty obvious thing. And um, so trading him out around round 14 is going to be a pretty awesome move for those that have him. But yeah, as far as to trade in targets, I've already got Smith and I'm probably going to have to toss up between Gorn versus Bont and bring in just one of those guys. But um, why not both? Might have to decimate my bench to do that. And so trying to keep something in reserve because it, it is really easy to, especially with no rookies on the bubble this week. And we've got Owens and Ware potentially next week available. And then the midseason draft is Wednesday night this week. So after that, there might be some options there, but we're going to have to go really early on those guys potentially. And so the potential is that you. Use all these downgrades to upgrade your team around the buys because it's just so essential to go max trading at the moment. And you walk out of the buys with a bench that just is not going to cover you when you need it. And that could be a real problem this year because, um, like I said, I haven't had my full team for a really long time. And you guys in Melbourne, you all seem to be getting sick. Uh, there seems to be players missing every week. Won't we have enough trades to just trade through this? Uh, well, so you're going to be trading out one weekers? Potentially. I mean, what else are we going to do with eight, nine trades? So there's some people with heaps of trades. Yeah. So if you do, I think I'll be, I should be fully upgraded a few sideways around the buys to work out my numbers and walk out with about seven. So like that, that's one around for the rest of the season, but I'm not Seems feeling like, like that's a lot compared to previous seasons, but given how many outs we've had, like I'm not super confident with one per week. Um, I'd like to keep as many as I can for the last uh, three or four weeks, especially for league finals. That means that if somebody gets COVID every single week and misses, you still can trade them out. I don't, I mean, you want more than one per week? 
think you're, you're super coaching wrong if you're doing that. Anyway, I agree in general about torching your bench too hard. It is certainly a good call out to make as we're all considering trading through this current period. And I think the mid-season draft hopefully will be a bit of a blessing in terms of unlocking a couple of additional players that might get on field. I know Florenka is one that has already played the game in West Coast Strip uh, in the COVID-affected game that hopefully will make the mid-season draft and come onto field sooner rather than later. 102K. I think he scored like 100, didn't he? So he's 25-year-old, been crushing it in the waffle. The problem is that uh, West Coast probably won't take him with pick one because they should probably go youth. So it's about where does he actually go in the draft? Does he go to West Coast? And is he going to a team where he's not actually a walk-up starter? But there are a couple yeah. of others. Uh, D'Ambrosio, Callanan, the first pick, likely. There's a few around, and there might be a couple of Smokies, which there always seems to be. I guess my question around DPPs outside of Bonton Smith, who I personally think they're both must-haves guys that can average 110 plus in the forward line is what we've been screaming out for i think it's a big gap probably bigger gap in the forward line compared to any other line even the rucks this year there's better backup than we have in the forward line so i would be prioritizing them and if you have to fade gore and then play proofs they're averaging 3.8 points different so at the moment so it has worked out okay being non-gorn owners so far Definitely has. Gorn doesn't look super, super fit. I would probably rather Bont. It's just, it gets pretty tricky around the buyers because Gorn's around 14, which I can probably tolerate a bit better than bringing in Bont who's around 13. I think a lot of teams are going to be struggling around 13. So to bring in these guys, you probably have to be doing it around 14. So post their buy. That's right. If you don't take Bont, I guess that's an advantage I have on you for the rest of the season. So I, I can live with that. <laughs> All right, let's go to some trade-out targets. Uh, we'll start off with a couple of rucks who headline the trade-out candidates for the week in terms of most traded out at point of recording. Sam Hayes and Braden Pruce. Now, both have the first buy of the round, which is not ideal in some circumstances, ideal in others. For example, if you have Pruce, Gorn, and English, that means you can field two rucks every round for the end of uh, that buy period. But I can also understand wanting to cash Pruce in considering he was not named and was named as an emergency on the weekend. So do you want to risk holding Pruce another week and have him not come back? Hay seems like a more obvious trade out target candidate. Pruce is the one that I have a bit more question marks about because he is averaging 110. Like his scoring when he's playing is ridiculous. I think his low side is he hasn't scored under 100. He's probably more a play that you prefer to trade out if you're going to at about, you know, 550 even, right? So there's a lot of value um, to be made. Well, there's a good chance that he would have been 550 if he hadn't have missed the last two weeks. So really, really unfortunate timing on Bruce. Based on the weekend, the fact that they played Flynn and kept Bruce, who was fit, kept him as an emergency would indicate to me that Mark McVeigh probably only wants to play one ruck. And so that means that, um, yeah, there's going to be some competition between those two guys for that one ruck spot. And I have some doubts on whether Bruce is always going to be the guy. So I think Bruce is the best out of the two. They do do different things. Like Bruce is a much, much better tap ruckman than Flynn. Absolutely elite in the way he was delivering the ball to that midfield when he was playing. I guess the tricky bit is that Bruce has never played a full season, like not even close in the past. So my worry with keeping Bruce is 
if you don't have a Hayes on the bench, you don't have a backup rock, like it's going to be a weekly stress when it comes to selection. Like, oh my God, is Proust playing? Uh, so the timing of him missing games is pretty poor. I definitely saw him as a keeper and not someone I was planning on trading until he did miss. I was going to face a donut and so I traded him out and I guess got lucky that he missed the second week. Flynn got absolutely destroyed by McInerney on the weekend. So you would expect Proust to come in. I think it's interesting with Hayes, right? Can we just jump to Hayes and then jump back to Proust? So yeah. Hayes, because he has the buy this round, if you kept him this week, he could cover as a player for the next two weeks. So that's really, really important, right? But he's not probably someone you want to keep for the year because at some point Lysette comes back and Hayes goes out. And then I guess people would be looking at using the cash from Hayes after the buys. Do you think that you you just have to get your cadence right so that you're fully upgraded coming out of the buys and you're just not looking to use that cash and therefore you may as well just ditch Hayes now? Or where do you stand on that? I think it's tough because I think Hayes and Proust kind of go hand in hand depending on whether or not you have Proust. And I guess the other decision on that is whether you have English. Basically, if you can have two playing rucks throughout the entire buy period, that's definitely a big plus because trading in a non-playing player or we're often in a situation where every single week you're conceding during the buys that you're going to have potentially a donuts there. So I think that's a big upside is, you know, how can you manage two players on field uh, for the duration? So if you didn't have Proust, then potentially keeping Hayes makes a fair bit more sense. But that's still on the basis that you have enough cash elsewhere on your field to be able to upgrade around Hayes. I think you're right in saying if you need Hayes to achieve a full premium team, which I don't think every team's in that situation, then it may be okay to hold Hayes through and trade him after the fact. Uh, almost as sort of an additional cash grab down the line. I think a, a lot of teams would probably be angling to bring English in just because English playing out of your forward line is such, like he's averaging 128 at the moment. I think a lot of this is also premised off the fact that both of us have English and I'm assuming he becomes a little bit of a must-have on the run home. So I'm assuming that you don't need Hayes as much because you will either have cover in English or you might be keeping Proust as an alternative to Hayes through the buys. If you're in a situation where you don't have Proust or English, I would consider keeping Hayes if you didn't need his cash. I think that brings us to the next point. Are we on to Proust upgrading mm. to English? Is that something that you'd recommend to people that you grab English before he goes out of reach really because after this week he's under 600 but he's not going to be for long um is Proust to English this week a decent move so Proust is slated to go up 22 English 32 140k is the difference to unlock some I would prefer to keep Proust and trade to English another way if you can but if you're in a situation where trading Proust unlocks English then I would probably look at doing that yeah, I, I mean, obviously buy dependent. Yeah, obviously. We did get a question about that. So in our trade-in section, Tim English was top of the rung there. He is currently slated to be the most traded-in player. Do you trade Tim English in if you're going to field a donut as a result of that? And I think in that situation, you're kind of negating some of the value of trading somebody in like that. So I'd be looking to cop the extra price increase, especially if, if you're doing Proust to English, 
Like you lose 10K if Proust goes up one price movement, English goes up one price movement, and then take the better donut in round 12 and avoid the worst donut in round 13. Because it's like the, round 13 is like an actual donut, right? Like I think we're all yeah. going to be struggling to field teams and people are looking at even having 15, 16, 17. And so like if you're taking English, you're literally giving yourself a donut. And um, if the price increase is only 30 or 40K, that's 40K for a zero score. Which well, is yeah. And the, yeah. And I mean, if you're keeping Bruce, that's 20 of the 30 that's offset because you're keeping a guy who's also going to go up in price. So then it's like, would you pay 10K to score 100 points? It's like, yes. <laughs> I feel like as an English owner, it's a really tricky situation because we're both English owners. It'd almost be better if one of us wasn't. He's averaging 128. And because he scored 165, but it was against the Eagles who just didn't have a Ruckman in a 100-point win. Like, I feel like he looks more essential and better than he actually is right at this moment. That checks out, and that's why I wouldn't cop a donut for him. But in a vacuum, if it's not going to cause you a donut, or in a vacuum where it didn't really matter, 600K for a guy who can, even if he averages 115 in the forward line, that's still a good buy, isn't it? Yeah, 100%, because you're looking at, like if he's averaging 115 plus, he's like it's him and Bont, and then Daylight to second, basically. Uh, and, and like you were saying earlier, it's not like defense where you have a whole bunch, like you've got Sicily and Stewart obviously averaging ridiculous numbers, but it's the gap between the top couple to the next tier is bigger in the forward line. So it's probably more essential in the forward line to try and get these must-haves than it is in the other positions. So I'd be more willing to overpay in the forward line than I would the midfield or defense or even the rucks yeah. this year. Yeah. Funny enough, I think you got the four bulldogs. So you got... Bont, Dunkley, English, Smith, who are all averaging 110 plus. That's insane. Then, then you're looking at Luke Parker at 105, Brody at 105, and then after that you're in the hundreds. So the gap can be as significant as 100, or in some cases 95 versus 115, depending on who you have in that seat in the M6. So that's 20 points for the next 10 rounds. Like it's a huge difference. So in short, if you can set your team up to go ballistic in round 14 and just pick up all of those dogs in one week, that would be an amazing setup. It's just because of the rookies aren't available, it might be really tricky to get in a situation like that. People who have Mills and Laird and there are quite a few setups that make that very challenging. All right, so that was a big segue off trading out Hayes and Proust, and we ended up on English. But I do think that they are all relatively tied together because the main consideration yeah. there is if you can keep two players playing each round for the duration, that's very ideal. Hayes and Proust being the round 12, Wits or English being the round 13, and Darcy and Gorn being the round 14. If you can get a balance there, that'd be awesome. Unless you have a... Donut, like me, is Combin at Rock Forward sitting at R3. It makes a huge difference. I'm basically keeping Proust on the bench throughout the buys because it makes such a big difference when you can do that over that period versus having it. But as we started off by saying, I think that's easier for us to say because we have English. If you're in a situation where you did not have cover for Proust, it does probably make sense to take 
the risk out and trade cruise this week. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And that was just back to my point about you're just waiting for team sheets every Thursday for the Giants and being really worried that he's going to be dropped. And that's not how you want any keeper in your team. You don't want them to be a chance to be yeah. dropped or rested. Yeah. I mean, it helps that Flynn got obliterated by McInerney. So it does, especially when I have McInerney in my team. That was a good buy. All right. Tom Green is the next question in terms of a trade out. So he looks like he's fading a little bit from the top line premium numbers. He's facing a buy and that's always impetus to look at a bit of cleanup. Uh, what do you think for Tom Green owners? So he's dropped back at 490k, which is probably less than what a lot of people ended up buying him at, but it's more than his starting price tag. Yeah, significantly more. I think his first three scores probably inflated expectations a fair bit. He is still really young. I think that he's probably got another patch in him this year of those big numbers, and he's definitely got some big games left in him. He's just too good not to. But realistically, what he's averaging 108 right now, and that including those big early games, and that seems like a pretty reasonable finish to the season for him. If he averaged 108 from here, that would be pretty decent outcome for him as a player and in his development. But is that enough to take up one of your midfield slots? Probably not. And with the changing coach, they do seem to have gone back to more Canelio, Cali, and a different rotation in the middle than they had previously. And then we've got Taranto to come back as well. So that's a, an extra factor that sort of um, could make things potentially worse for Green as well. So 490 is a terrible price to have to be selling him for. But I think that you're right that trading around the buyers is a good time to clean up these sort of players and to get to those true premiums in your team. The tricky bit is that any player that you're upgrading to will still have a buy to come. In a sense, you're essentially side-swapping. So as long as you're doing it to achieve better buy balance, then that makes sense. If you have a huge problem in round 13, then trading your round 12 Tom Green to a round 13 problem probably doesn't seem like a good move but if round 14 is pretty clear then green to round 14 might get you a double benefit of giving you a better buy balance but also uh, a better true premium for the run yeah and the other thing is that i mean his break even's 110 that's a gettable break even so he's probably not going to go down too much more in price so if you do need to keep him for that round 13 and then look to trade him to bond smith or english then that's probably not a bad way to go about it either He's playing North Melbourne in round 13, and we have talked about GWS's draw in relation to Cornelio um, being particularly good. So North, Bulldogs, Collingwood, then Hawthorne are the next. All right, on to the next trade in target. We're going to get to some rookie discussion. So Mitch Owens and Jacob Weir are the two that are on the bubble, hopefully look to have some decent job security. Jacob playing on the McVeigh and seeming to hold his spot during that time and kicking poor Hamilton out of the side. And he's, he's still carrying him, mate. Yeah. yeah. And Owen scoring 89, I think, in a return, played a tagging role, smashed his prior score of two. <laughs> he scored 89 uh, and he's still only averaging 45 from two games. <laughs> so we did get questions about this and we alluded to it in the pre show. So Stephen, one of our patrons is asking, if we're struggling for numbers in round 12, have plenty on field this week, does it make sense to jump on Owens a week early, let's say, to give us flexibility of more trades next week and not have to worry about bringing him in? I think if you're in a situation where you have some cash and bank and you 
are building enough so that you can max trade next week, then fantastic. The, the main challenge I'm finding is what if you're in the situation where you wanted to downgrade this week, but you still need to bring in some cash next week. So if you bring in the best two options in the current week, the only who two are you options. aiming to pick up? Yeah, only two. Who are you aiming to pick up next week? And that gets us to the much tougher side of the conversation heading into the buys is what do we do about the rookies? Well, one way you could think about it is you do the two downgrades this week and then potentially you don't need a downgrade next week or you might be bringing in a, a loophole player into your rucks or I guess that the backup option is that we see the mid-season draft and we see who someone just gets named game one um, like three days after they're picked, which is fairly unlikely you would think, but it could happen for one or two players and that would potentially give you a, an out as in someone else to downgrade to. But uh, it's definitely a good problem that you highlight. So there's 0% chance you would think that Owens is dropped next week. Just off a 10-tackle, two-goal performance. And he's had great form in the VFL as well. The problem is that he did do it against North Melbourne. Um, they're not going to play North every week. His score inflated by those two goals, so I doubt he's going to score that every week. Uh, St. Gilda do have players coming back, so uh, Higgins and... Hunter Clark should probably be available over the next few weeks. Billings was in the reserves as well. So there's people that are potentially looking to play similar roles to him that would be senior players potentially in the St. Kilda side and would take his spot pretty quickly. Uh, although I'm confident that he's going to play next week. Is he going to be around in three, four, five weeks? You, you never know with any rookie, but it does seem fairly unlikely and it'd have to really overperform to be able to um, hold on to that spot. But I guess people aren't really thinking five weeks in advance, right? So out of anyone, Owens is the one that I'd pick this week just because you know he's going to play around 13. Where is a bit trickier because he hasn't been so outstanding. His kicking has been really good off halfback. Like, I mean, they didn't lose to the Lions by much. It was a pretty good performance overall. So you'd think that they'd be loath to drop Jacob Ware. But it doesn't look like he's not guaranteed to play around 13, right? So I think I'd be more if he bringing him in. So I hear potential downside and not a lot of solutions. Well, there's not so many rookies available. And this is what I was sort of saying earlier, which is if you look to eke out every bit of money off your bench and you're bringing in rookies when the rookies are not necessarily available, that could really have consequences post buy. And I know that your attitude is, oh, we've got so many trades. We'll just trade our way out of it. But there might, you might have multiple outs in a week. Like you are going to need some sort of bench cover. So who's the wuss now? <laughs> Tell me, uh, oh, you've got hope. It sounds like you've got hope hidden in your pocket. Tell me all about the solutions that you have, Marcus. Picking a player blind is not an ideal solution or a solution that should give us a lot of hope. But if you're in a situation where you're trying to force downgrades through to complete your team in service of hitting the right premiums for the run home and dodging by donuts. I wonder whether it's preferable to taking the compromises on the players who are going to be on field so that you can hit the right rookies down the line. I would be much more comfortable taking a rookie blind that's at least playing versus prioritizing, let's say, a ruck forward because you know you can hide them in a few weeks' time. Think I would just rather the scoring for the next couple of weeks and the hope that player continues playing in the team moving forward. And if they are not, 
then be in a situation to hopefully have trades enough up, up our sleeves to be able to trade out of it. I think I'm just a little bit scared from previous years of bringing in buy players that rookies across the buy that then you just never, ever see them again. Do you think that we should maybe be getting creative, like looking at the break even list and potentially bringing in some players that are like round 14 buy players that have really low break evens? Like Joel Jeffrey's been sensational the last two weeks. He's around 13 buy player, but has a break even of negative 77. Aiden Core has a negative break even coming off a 141 a couple of weeks ago. Do you think that people should be looking at even players like that? So to me, I guess you're in a situation where you're trapped into a, a bad option then because to trade into that play and trade them back out for the sake of that temporary price generation, they're not keepers, right? You can't keep that amount invested in them. They're literally just sort of swinging doors types players. And so you're going to have to spend the extra trade there anyway. Why not just take the rookie and then you keep the trade up your sleeve for a side swap of a premium down the line or even a side swap of a rookie? Taking a non-ideal player off the basis of a low break even will probably just get you into a stage where unless you happen to get lucky and they have another couple of huge games, probably just get you into a spot where you've committed the trade to that course of action instead of holding it in case of injury. Do you think that Joel Jeffrey is an exception? Coming off two nineties, they play in Darwin again this week, hundred and eighty eight thousand. I know he's gonna he's around thirteen, so he can cause some problems there, but he's still like under two hundred K, so he's still rookie priced and on form would play out the rest of the year. So I, I was thinking about him last week because of his buy, you only had two price increases with him. And the risk was I think he'd scored like five sub thirty scores or something, right? Prior yeah. to his ninety. So the risk was that was going to happen again. Now, because he's had a 90, he's probably been enough of a stepladder win considering the lack of rookie options last week and this week. But faced with him not playing next week, already at now 180-something K, I think that you just you couldn't stomach one price increase, him missing a critical buy, and then having to risk his scoring on the way back as well. Because he could still just now pump out the sub-30 score, right? Yeah, and you get that um, over the buy. Like the, in the week that you're relying on him, you get like a 30 and he doesn't even count in your best 18 or something. I think often we found you're better off side-swapping your premiums than you are side-swapping your rookies because at least if they score big, you're getting a premium score out of it, not a rookie score. Like the side-swapping of the rookies just... You're at a point where you almost just prefer to swallow the donut and focus on the prize, which is the big scorers. Um, I think you said, sorry, you said the word almost better off just copying the donut. I think like genuinely you are better off copying the donut in that situation. Just side swapping rookies around buys is, is fraught with danger and likely to cause you problems. I think that there's always going to be exceptions to the, like people have big games here and there, but yeah, in general, you're right. It's much, much more favorable percentage wise to not go on that roundabout. I did think strongly about uh, side-swapping Rory Thompson to try and get an extra player on field for the, over the buys, but um, positive news with his knee surgery is going to be back in the next month or so, even if he comes back via the VFL, so probably worth just keeping him. Yep, same, and I'm holding Hamilton as well. I'll just hold them through. If he gives me a donut, he gives me a donut, but maybe that might be a reason, if anything, to be like, do I want to move Dane Zorko on or do I want to move Christian Petrarca on 
people. I'd rather make those calls. So that yeah. seems like a bit of um one week bias there, mate. <laughs> You've had they're very much at the front of your mind after an angry weekend. Maybe you should um trade Petrarca, Zorko, and Zerial out altogether. <laughs> yeah, I guess the challenge with those two is they were fringe anyway. The rationale would be to trade them before they drop if you were going to look at clearing out one of those positions. So. Unfortunate, but it happened to be uh, just at the <laughs> unopportune time of uh, before the buys start, but is what it is. I, I think that's a big theme, though, heading into the buys, is that you don't want to be compounding your mistakes with further mistakes that address those mistakes, but are not actually point beneficial to your team. So... Keep an eye out on that. It can be really tempting to try and field 18 players and not actually like assess, hey, like, am I actually getting bang for my buck out of this trade? I think we ran into that in the early days where buys were there. There have been many instances where copying a donut one week actually gives you better overall scores <laughs> throughout 100%. the rest of the buy period. Because yeah. it's a bit of a trap, right? So looking at our rankings, we're probably hoping to maybe halve our rankings over the buys, just assuming a lot of teams ahead of us are maybe not so well set up. Um, and so the temptation becomes to go quite aggressive over the buys and focus really on the next three weeks and getting every point you can. But then you come out of the buys and you just stagnate at your ranking because you don't actually have a better team for the last eight or nine weeks. The best thing to plan for are your opportunistic upgrades and side swaps to finish out your team. All right, and with that, we might wrap out. We'll keep our fingers crossed on that and on the weather for you so you can enjoy more of that glorious, what, what do they call that part? Northwestern Australia part of the world. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I guess we are in the Northwest now, but really we're on the Central Coast. Like if it was more populated, they'd probably call it the Central Coast, but nobody lives up here. So uh, they just call it the North and the in the south yeah i'll be out snorkeling for most of the next week so planning on swimming with whale sharks on monday which has been like a that's a big bucket list item for around australia so hopefully we get to get a chance to do that and see some whale sharks awesome enjoy and good luck for the buys to our community and thanks again to our patrons to subscribe to us at patreon.com forward slash supercoach coach we've had a great retention through the season so far hopefully a reflection of the great content that we continue to pump out there so heading off to do some bonus content now and with that we'll sign off see ya see ya guys don't want to make it crazy. Don't want to make it crazy.